Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Today, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 17. Uh, we are... I, th- this chapter is really exciting. Um, <laughs> it, it depends on how you view it, but for me, it's very exciting because it's a almost a message of hope and of how God is just. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, so yeah, if you want to follow along with us, let's pray and let's jump in. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We ask us that you give, we ask that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And uh, Lord, just encourage us this morning in your word, refresh us, convict us, uh, rebuke us and correct us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, let's dive in. Numbers chapter 17, verse one, it says, the Lord instructed Moses, speak to the Israelites and take one staff from them for each ancestral tribe, 12 staffs from all the leaders of their tribes. Write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff, because there is to be one staff for the head of each tribe. Then place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I meet with you. The staff of the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of the Israelites' complaints that they have been making about you. So Moses spoke to the Israelites, and each of their leaders gave him a staff. One for each of the leaders of their tribes, 12 staffs in all. Our staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, representing the house of Levi, had sprouted. Forum buds blossomed, produced almonds. Moses then brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all uh, the Israelites. They saw them, and each man took his own staff. The Lord told Moses, Put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony we kept as a sign for the rebels, so that you may put an end to their complaints before me, or else they will die. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Then the Israelites declared to Moses, Look, we're perishing. We're lost. We're all lost. Anyone who comes near the Lord's tabernacle will die. We will all perish. Oh, man. This is like a different feeling when I'm done reading a chapter in two minutes. (laughs) <laughs> my uh my beautiful wife goes back and listens to uh the soaps that i do like you know obviously afterwards she is not up listening right now um but she always laughs she says you spend at least seven minutes just reading the chapter and then diving into it and I, i'm just so excited to spend like two minutes we get the rest of this time just to dive in come on y'all this is some meat and potatoes chapter uh a lot of numbers is that way And I kind of want to give you a little bit of encouragement this morning. If you have been soaping through the book of Numbers and going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and you might feel a little bit like, all right, can we hear like the message of Jesus somewhere, right? (laughs) Maybe it's like, all right, can I get like a little gospel in here, you know? Uh, I want to encourage you. The, let's say the meat and the potatoes and the broccoli portion of our spiritual diet is so important 
And you might be going through the book of Numbers thinking, why the heck are we doing a chapter on a staff, a wooden staff, all of a sudden producing almonds, and why is it important? I just want to share with you the, the, the vegetables, the broccoli of your spiritual diet is important because what God does inside of you is you intake these scriptures right here. You intake God's word and there's like a deposit that happens. And I assure you at some point later on, when you are diving into God's word, he makes a withdrawal from that deposit. And, uh, if I don't want to say it feels weird in the beginning, but it's a little bit different in the beginning because it's like, all right, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. But what God really honors is if you just give him your yes and you stay hungry before him, he'll honor that yes later on. So uh, Aaron's staff being chosen. I want to give context to the text because uh, <laughs> if you just take this, it's like, and if you're listening to yesterday's soap, this should make sense. But I want to kind of honor us if we weren't, if we didn't tune in yesterday's soap or maybe we didn't soap yesterday, I want to just share a little bit of details. So Numbers chapter 16 is like, this is truly probably the brother passage to number 17. Because number 16 is known as Korah's rebellion. So Korah uh, was pioneering uh, a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And uh, inside of their pioneering of this rebellion, they decided to take 250 prominent Israelite leaders inside of the community. And they were representatives of the assembly, or excuse me, in the assembly. And they all rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And uh, I, I kind of want to talk about that for a moment. And then I want to get over into number 17 because the context of the text really helps us understand it. So these people right here, it says number 16. I know I'm jumping back a chapter, but number 16 verses one through three. It's really what we're going to touch on just very quickly. Uh, when they were starting this rebellion, it says in verse three, they came together against Moses, Aaron and told them, you have gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the Lord above the Lord's assembly? So anywhere in rebellion, um, which I want to try and say this with sober mindedness, but on the other side, you know, it's going to be like a heart check for all of us. Rebellion is uh, a form of divination. Uh, rebellion is actually a form of witchcraft. Uh, I, I used to know that scripture like off the top of my head. I don't at this point. But when we are living in rebellion, uh, we are in every literal sense telling God that we don't really trust the leadership and plan you've set up for us. So we're taking it into our own hands. Um, this passage of Kor's rebellion leading into Aaron's staff budding is so beautiful to me because it's how God deals with problems. So in their own, let's say, uh, who was it? So Korah, Dathan. And on these three were stirring up these complaints inside of the nation of Israel. And as they're stirring up the complaints, it's good to know that rebellions don't just start overnight, right? It's not like they just woke up one morning and they just said, all right, everybody, let's start a riot. Like, you know, like, let's just get this thing going. There is always an underlying sense, tone, or feeling that starts to begin before rebellion starts, right? And I know that may sound kind of like common sense. But this is what was going on with Korah. 
Cora didn't just show up on a Friday morning inside of the soap and say, we are starting the soap rebellion of 2023, right? There was, there was a quite a bit of time that was inside of Cora's heart. And this was because Cora had a wrong viewpoint on what leadership is, right? What did he say in number 16, verse three, he says, you've gone too far. Everyone in the community is holy. Why do you exalt yourselves above others? Uh, church, good leadership, good leadership is really servant leadership, right? When Jesus talked about leading, it had to do with uh, the greatest in the room when you're looking for them will be the ones serving, right? Matthew 20. Uh, so he had this viewpoint on leadership of I'm putting myself above others. When leadership is really, I'm just putting myself before others, you know, and it's also a form of putting myself under others so they can build their lives on top of what I am building here. And they had a wrong viewpoint on what leadership really was. So they looked at Moses, they looked at Aaron, and they said, yeah, we are so very tired of you thinking you're better than us. And these complaints are like poison to the ears, spirits, and hearts of people around them. And as that started to uh, get spread around, we all know the crowd, right? The, the general masses of people enjoy bad news better than good news. Come on, this is, there is nothing new under the sun. Hallelujah, amen. Uh, very unfortunately, bad news sells more than good news. And that is so heartbreaking to me because we obviously have the best news, the message of Jesus, right? But people would rather watch bad news. That's the publicity that they get. So as soon as people are saying, you want to know what? The wilderness just isn't as, isn't as good as everyone makes it out to be, right? Oh, when are we finally going to get to the promised land? I, I'm just like thinking of the complaints now that they probably had. And all of these complaints, all of this gossip stirred this crowd until rebellion finally started. It's heartbreaking to me because we know prophetically and we know from having the scriptures that God had so much promise for the Israelites. The promised land was going to be amazing. And yet what they decided was, I would rather live in complaint and live in rebellion than live in the promise. And uh, I want to challenge us today really quickly, as I know it's like I'm not even number 17 yet, but the context here is so important. I want to challenge us because if we submit ourselves to a wrong viewpoint um, and we submit ourselves to a wrong heart posture, we at some point will find ourselves in complaint where, oh, you want to know what? I just don't have it as good as blank, right? Uh, you want to know what? My boss just mistreats me all the time. I could run this place better than they could, correct? Rebellion will not get us anywhere. Serving is what gets us somewhere. And I mean, having that heart posture of a servant of, you want to know what? I don't need to stir the crowd. I don't need to be the one that's sowing that seed and that poison into the ears and hearts of people. Because reality is God has so much prophetic promise for us, and we don't want to hinder what God wants to do because of how we feel and a wrong viewpoint. And we have probably all experienced that person everywhere from church to our workplace to the family of that individual. Oh, man, can you believe they do it this way? And suddenly you have a mini rebellion against a manager of McDonald's, right? Like what in the world is happening? <laughs> uh, I still remember to this day working in restaurant business and uh, a mini rebellion against one of our managers on staff. I was like, what the heck is going on? Guys, let's just wait our tables. <laughs> like, like it's what we're here for. We don't have to start a rebellion at work. Um, 
But this is just how the enemy works because he wants to divide. So I want to encourage you to uh, guard your heart. But let's see how God deals with this in number 17. So rebellion is the prerequisite to what God is doing here. And if you kind of remember from the past we were just reading, God says, take all of these staves, write someone's name on it from that tribe, uh, the head of each tribe. And what we're going to do is, is we are going to take all of this and put it before the Lord. We're going to take every last staff, every last leader and put them before God. Uh, what the Lord is saying here is I choose leaders, not you, uh, your rebellion, uh, your wrong heart motives, your wrong viewpoints are not going to choose leaders. And he, God is saying, I will choose those leaders. I will choose the one that I'm going to raise up and I will choose the one that I'm going to put down because God is ultimately one that elevates and he's ultimately one that tears down. That is why I'm so grateful that we serve a God that gives and both takes away. And uh, uh, right here, verse four, it says, then place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I meet with you. I like how detailed God is in the way he likes to deal with things. So hear me, church. When you have a problem, you have something going on. You may not even know what the solution may be. What this, the prescription right here is, just come into the presence of Jesus. Come into the presence of God and say, I'm going to lay that issue right in front of you. And I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of it. But God, I'm trusting that you're going to handle it. And, and I'm going to write down that issue in front of you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to handle it. And that's what's happening in this situation. We don't know who the leader is going to be. We know how the people feel. We know that it wasn't just 250 people amongst the, you know, two point something million that were just in the camp. These were 250 prominent leaders that decided to rebel against Moses and Aaron. These were huge names. These weren't just, you know, it, it was these were the people that were in front of everyone leaders in the assembly that said, you know, I'm not. We're tired of this. You know, we think that you're putting yourself above everyone when the reality was Bible tells us Moses was one of the most humble men to ever walk the earth. So he wasn't exalting himself above everyone. Um, uh, verse five, it says, the staff of the man I choose will sprout and I'll rid myself of the Israelites complaints that they have been making about you. I think that this is an encouraging phrase to me. Let's reread part of this. I will rid myself of the Israelites' complaints. God is the one speaking this. He's taking ownership of the complaints against Moses and Aaron from the people. God takes ownership of the things that people say against us. Uh, God takes ownership in the attacks that come up against us. And the reason that he was taking ownership over Moses and Aaron was because they were living out what it says in Proverbs uh, 13, verse 6, where it says righteousness guards people's and in, uh, people's integrity. Wickedness undermines the sinner. I'm going to read it again. Righteousness guards people of integrity. Wickedness undermines the sinner. So Moses and Aaron had been walking with righteousness and because they're walking in the righteousness of God, because that they were living in integrity, God guarded them. And that just tells me. And if you were uh, if you tuned into this past Wednesday's worship and prayer, um, or maybe if you were there, we got into God is our guard. God is fighting the battle. We don't have to fight the battle. He's doing it for us. 
we're simply just going through it with him. But he's ultimately the one that takes on the ownership of the battle. He doesn't say, here, you deal with this. I'll be next to you. Like, figure it out. He doesn't say, all right, I'll be at the finish line. You deal with it. He walks with us and crosses the finish line all the way up until that checkered flag is waved. Come on, somebody. So right here, Moses and Aaron's integrity and righteousness was guarding them. Since they walked purely before God, God was going to handle the problem on the back end. And that's what we can put our trust in God about. That Lord, when I'm in the middle of uh, rebellion, I'm in the middle of people coming against me, slandering, gossiping all over the place. Complaints are flying left and right that you know you may not even deserve. What we can trust is that the righteousness and integrity will guard us because God is going to guard us because of it. So uh, God took ownership of the battle. God takes ownership of your battle. He doesn't let you go through it alone. He doesn't say, hey, figure this out. He will walk every step of the way with you and make sure that he sees the battle through. You know, even if our follow-up isn't always the best, he will see the battle through. So it goes on. Moses uh, took the staff. They put it in front of the testimony. And the very next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony. And it says in verse 8, he saw the staff representing the house of Levi, which was Aaron's staff. It sprouted, formed buds, blossomed, and produced almonds. Now, something important to know is this staff was a piece of dead wood. I, I feel like that's very obvious, but I want to make sure I paint a good picture here for us. It's a piece of dead wood. He used it for walking. And the staff obviously represents a form of power. You know, this wasn't just a walking staff. This was, uh, you know, a form of, let's say, uh, like status staff. And his staff, even though it was dead wood, produced life. And that's kind of God's way. I should say kind of this is God's way of validating who his leader was. Because fruitfulness is the best evidence of a divine call. You know, when when we are called to something, when God has gifted us for something, when we start stepping into that gifting and stepping into that calling, the fruit that God provides, the fruit that God grows is the tangible, seeable evidence that he is on it. He's working and he's doing something. And whenever we're pushing into something, whenever we're, uh, you know, praying like, God, is this something that you want us to step into? I always look around and just see, is it fruitful? You know, is, is God growing something here? So right here, God is showing us. He's like, listen, I have Aaron's back because he is probably, I, I couldn't imagine what Aaron's going through right here. Aaron was just trying to serve the Lord before, like just trying to serve God in the priestly role that he didn't even choose, right? Aaron was just some guy out in the middle of nowhere that one day Moses and the Lord said, hey, we need you, man. You have to come on. You are going to be the priest. You are going to be the one that is the, the oracle before the people. And Aaron's like, I never choose this. My life before may not have been the best, but I was just trying to live low. Like I didn't, I was not looking to go ahead and be before people. And yeah, here he is before people. And as he's like sitting here, like, I'm just trying to serve God. The complaints are coming everywhere. He's like, all I did was just say yes to the call. And now I'm getting attacked and challenged. But God shows 
that his fruitfulness, that encouragement of there is life in front of us because it's the evidence of the calling he's placed on us. I think that's so encouraging because God is the one who ordains a call and he's the one that follows calls through. So uh, I, I want to share just this thought I had because I was looking at this, I was praying through it and, you know, and it's, it, this is, you know, we've all, we've all been in church. We've all been around the church. We've all been around each other and we know what human tendencies are. We know that, you know, there's spirits of the air, there's spirits of the day. Um, but I just want to share this thought with you. With all of hell against us, church, let's not allow the body of Christ, the bride of Christ to be divided. You know, all of hell stands against us. Uh, the enemy's forces want to tear down everything that God is doing. And us as the church, sometimes, I, I, we're being super transparent, sometimes we partner with what the devil is doing in division and dividing through our complaints, through our gossip, through our wrong viewpoints. And we don't even know that we're doing it, right? And we kind of get stuck in this cycle and this trap. And out of nowhere, we see core rebellion starting to begin. And yeah, I, <laughs> I love that. I see the chat popping off. I, I love that because uh, Pastor Matt Keller, when he came in not that long ago, he dropped that line. And it, what was it? Protect this house, we will. You know, I, I'm really, I want to protect what God is doing. Because at the end of the day, it's about the Lord. It is about what he's doing. It's about his church, his bride. It's about trying to guard everything that he has going on because he is doing something amazing. And it's called that fruitfulness. He is producing fruit from a dead place. Church, if you've grown up in the Northeast, if you've grown up in South Jersey, for us, this is just life. But if you go to another state and you see church in another state, it is much easier. <laughs> it's, it's church in other states is easier. Pray for your beloved pastors because other states are tempting some days, <laughs> but um, it, it's just different. This is hard soil. It's the dead staff. It's like the dead area. The strongholds are so hard here. Uh, 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 Schombach, a great preacher years ago, used to say the Northeast, especially Jersey, is where preachers go to die because it's just the area is so tough. But God brings fruitfulness from dead things in dead areas and that's what's happening right here with Aaron's staff and that's why we want to guard what God is doing guard what he's doing in the house protect the house because inside of the house is the presence of God inside of the house is the fruitfulness of life and if we choose not to guard it we're going to end up partnering with all of those forces of hell that are coming up against us whether we acknowledge it or not now I want to uh Flip the script a little bit on the same verse in the same area. So Aaron was a priest before God. His staff was a way of showing that he was a priest before God. What was happening from his staff was the fruitfulness, the life that was showing that he was ordained by God to be that priest. Now, priests during that time period, uh, they were to be fruitful in their work, and they were also to live as servants to God. This is something so cool to me as to God's assignment on our life as Christ followers. So the greatest title you can ever have, and if you're a note taker, I encourage you, write it down. If you're not a note taker, take a mental note, a heart note, whatever you have to do. 
one of the greatest titles that you can ever have is son or daughter. The greatest privilege and role we ever get to serve in is son or daughter. We are ordained as a child before anything else. When I sit down with God, when I go to hear from him, uh, you know, today is uh, my Sabbath. So I'll spend a few hours just hearing from heaven. I will just sit down and just know like, okay, you know, I want to hear from God. He doesn't look at me and he doesn't say, hey, Pastor Harry, let's figure out what we're going to talk about today. No, he just calls me son. It's the greatest privilege, office, title that we can ever have, son and daughter. Now, because we're a son and daughter, we get to also be a priest. First Peter 2.9, God calls us a royal priesthood. And what that means is I serve God as a priest. You see, God uses us to minister to him and both minister to his body. So in the same way that God was ordaining Aaron as one of his priests, God has ordained you as one of his priests. And I know we might hear that and think uh, perhaps a different denominational outlook on priests and think, you know, don't start calling me father, right? Uh, I assure you, no one's going to start calling you father. What we mean is we are just here to minister to God. We're here to minister to others. And that looks like when we enter into our building on a Sunday morning, when we go into that worship service, we're not just singing songs, um, not just singing loud so that, uh, you know, our beloved worship pastor, Jose, hears me and is encouraged. Uh, no, I'm, I'm singing loud with my horrible voice that only God could love because it ministers and fills his heart, right? His heart gets full when I worship him. His heart gets full when I love him. And of everything he does for us throughout the week, of everything he does for us every day, every second, the least I could do is minister back to his heart so his heart feels full. Does that kind of make sense? We are priests, and we want God to feel ministered to, and we also want people to feel ministered to. And that was the point of Aaron's job. His job was to uh, uh, take care of God and take care of the people. And it goes on. We're going to close up with this verse. Verse, uh, verse 10. The Lord told Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels so that you may put an end to their complaints before me or else they will die. Ooh, such a good one. Put the staff in front of the uh, testimony as a sign to the rebels so that you may put an end to their complaints before me or else they will die. God is such a God of redemption. God is such a God where he doesn't want us to, he gives us grace even in the midst of uh, our, even our wrongdoings, our mess, when we're just covered in our own mess. He just says, hey, don't, don't put, I love this, don't put the law in front of them, right? Don't take the 10 commandments and place it in front of them. I want you to take the life that I give, the life that I sprout and put that in front of them. Take the staff that I take life from dead things and put that in front of them. Remind them who I am and remind them that I have called and confirmed the leadership that is serving them. I think that's so beautiful. Uh, and you might kind of hear this and think, huh, yeah, all right, you're saying it's beautiful, but I think it's kind of harsh because they're saying you complain, you'll die. <laughs> right? There's so many different ways and viewpoints you can take 
uh, on that. But I, I find that so encouraging. And uh, if maybe if you're on the other side of, I think that might be a little bit extreme. God's just going to kill them if they continue complaining. I just want to share with you how important uh, their assignment was. So uh, with them continuing in the cycle that they were in, should they had continued on in their complaints, uh, their gossip, trying to corral the crowd, trying to turn the crowd and trying to get that rebellion to grow and continue, uh, it would have destroyed God's destiny and God's plan for Israel. Now, God will always be a God of redemption. His plan, if it does not work in the one generation, he will visit with that plan to the next. Um, but God's desire is that he doesn't have to do that. His goal is that he can have people walking in the purpose that he made them for, that they would be walking in the destiny that he ordained for them. So you might be thinking it's a little harsh that they said, if you keep complaining about this, uh, you know, death is very much an option. But you also have to understand uh, they were bringing death to the destiny that God had for a nation. And church, we're talking about like 250 people. 250 people were bringing death to the destiny that God had for a nation. And God was like, I don't, I can't stand for that because I have so much more for my people. And I want to wrap this up with hopefully an encouragement because this chapter, like this is the, the broccoli of the Bible. And, and I like the broccoli of the Bible, man. Like when you get the green beans out, let's, let's, let's chop them up and get them good. Right. Um, and I'm giving it to you a little raw today. <laughs> um, however. This is so encouraging to me. God deals with junk, right? Like that's what God did in this chapter. He dealt with junk. He dealt with issues. And we can't walk through life or even go to church and expect not to run into issues. You know, uh, I was chatting with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. And uh, I was like, man, why don't you just come to church? Like, come check it out. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? And he he said, man, I'm not going there. There's just a bunch of hypocrites there. And I said, yeah, you're right. And I got a seat just for you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, if you haven't spent much time with me, I'm a little dry. And, and he looked at me and at first he's a little offended. And a couple seconds later, he goes, all right, I'll come. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, I'll see you there. Like, you know, it takes a couple seconds to get there. But uh, God is so good that he deals with our junk. And even in the church, we're going to have hypocrisy. Even in the church, we're going to have complaints. Even in the church, we're going to have moments of rebellion when we forget the why behind the what. Why are we doing this? Why are we full send after Jesus and after his call? You know, and we're not just wrapped up in what the what is, but we are in love with the why. And the why is Jesus. The why is I'm a priest. I get to serve God. And whatever issues that you may have going on in your life right now, uh, maybe someone in your workplace, it just feels like they're coming up against you, right? Uh, maybe you're just having a hard time even figuring out your own heart motives, uh, perhaps like family situation, uh, and perhaps even church for you. I, I just want to assure you, God deals with mess. And the best way that you're going to get through your next step in that mess is just like we talked about in the passage today, get in the presence of Jesus. You have to get before the tabernacle. You have to get before God and remind yourself that he champions with life. He doesn't champion with law. He champions with life. 
he went, I, I was just sharing when uh, he was saying, put the reminder out to the people. It was not take the 10 tablets and lay it in front of the people, and remind them of the law. No, he said, grab that staff and remind them that they have life inside of me. And God brings life out of dead places. You may be in the middle of a dead place. It might be a dark place, but right there is where the supernatural almond blossoming life comes from. And I, I share this with our young adults group. I'll close at this point. Share this with our young adults group on Wednesday. Um, God's favorite smell from heaven is burnt flesh. And this is why I love I love Zoom and watch this stuff live because people go, huh? God's favorite smell from heaven is burnt flesh. Throughout the Old Testament, we had nothing but animal sacrifice and incense. That was a scent that pleased God, right? It was, we see this in the Old Testament, an aroma that pleased the Lord. The aroma that pleases God in the New Testament is our flesh, our selfish desires, our sinful nature being burned in front of him as a sacrifice. God loves to smell burnt flesh. And church, you and I, (laughs) you and I are nothing but pieces of wood in the fire called the church. And uh, I've shared this before on soap, but it's so important to stay in community, even if we feel complaints inside of us, because we have to protect this house, right? When uh, uh, we get out of the fire and we take our log out of the fire, it's not very long that it'll stay lit. Because when you have a campfire and you pull a burning log out of that thing, that log will go out very quickly. The rest of the fire keeps burning, but the one singular log goes out. That's why we stay in community together. That's why we stay in soap together. That's why we get around our fellow fusionites. Because we have to know that we are in each other's corner. We have to know that uh, we are pushing each other along the way. And when we start to see complaint in our brothers and sisters, when we start to see uh, those little tiny like tendencies, those little things start to pop up, that's where we get to keep each other in check and remind one another, hey, uh, that's not why we're doing what we're doing. And right, last thing, in that fire, (laughs) those, those wooden logs, only dead wood burns. Wood that is alive doesn't burn. When I used to do tree work, uh, I didn't understand this till my boss finally broke it down. You know, in the winter season, we would just chop wood, pretty much a cell firewood. And I asked him, I said, why don't we just sell it right away? We can make more room, get more wood and make more money. He said, you don't sell wood that's alive. You have to sell dead wood. I was like, what do you mean you sell dead wood? He's like, wood that isn't seasoned, wood that hasn't died yet, doesn't burn right. So for us, we just have to lay ourselves on the altar of Christ and say, Lord, here I am. I'm dead wood in front of you. The same way that we had Aaron's staff, a piece of dead wood that produced life. We are like dead wood before God saying, Lord, just come produce your life inside of my life. God, come bring life out of the dead places inside of me. Because I know you're so good that you bring redemption upon redemption upon redemption, right? John chapter one, grace upon grace upon grace. So I want to encourage you today. You may feel uh, like you're in the middle of a dark season and a dead place, but that is exactly where God breathes his life. Amen, church.
All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person on this call. Holy Spirit, I just pray that uh, uh, if we feel discouraged in the journey, if we feel discouraged in the battle, Lord, we just acknowledge that you are the one who the battle belongs to. So right now, we just give you the rightful place in the battle. And we say, Holy Spirit, just come and do what you do. Show us the life that you're bringing from these dead places. And Lord, just help us partner with you. Help us to challenge our own hearts to see where complaint and rebellion may be. And God, help us to walk with one another through those moments of wondering, uh, you know, what's in each other's heart. So God, we just say we trust you. Breathe on our lives today. And God, send us as the world changes that we are. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. All right, y'all. God bless you. Have a great, great Friday and go be a world changer. I'll see you.